The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. What's the buzz on the street today? Well, I'm harking back to an old German folk song, The Unicorn is Noble. What is she talking about a German folk song for? Well, let me tell you. The word is unicorn we're talking about. It's a startup company valued at over $1 billion. That's right. I said $1 billion with a B. Canadian tech unicorns are called narwhals. We're referencing some sea animals there. A decacorn is a company valued at over $10 billion, And a hectacorn is a company valued at over $100 billion. What lessons can we learn from them? Well, studies of entrepreneurialism often gravitate to big Big corporate success stories and the startups thriving to follow their path. We're going to be talking today about winners of the Entrepreneur of the Year Award sponsored by EY. Very, very important. And we're going to try to find out how they pick the winners, how they identify these companies, and how come these companies are just doing huge numbers. Winners from the past 30 years of the EY Entrepreneur of the Year competition are among the most successful businesses in the world. That's right. Get this. They're generating over $3 trillion in revenue. They're creating more than 13 million jobs, and they're outperforming the U.S. market in stock returns and longevity. The majority of them go public at three times the rate of U.S. private companies overall. Who are they? What are they doing? And what can your company learn from them about managing risk, finding talent, finding vision, inspiration, and balancing growth opportunities with social purpose? A big buzzword today. So let me tell you who are Fabulous panelists are today. I don't usually say that, but they really are. You're going to learn a lot. First up, I will be welcoming Herb Engert, America's leader of growth markets for EY. And he is recognized and guiding entrepreneurs through the firm's flagship Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. That's what we're going to be talking about. Joining uh, joining Herb on the panel will be Steve Strauss, U.S. Today small business columnist and the best-selling author of 17 books. Wow, including the Small Business Bible. He's a guy we want to get to know. And rounding out the panel is our friend Steve Peck, Senior VP, Global Strategic Initiatives at SAP. So let's get started. Herb Engert sent me the following quote from Ronald Reagan. Ronald Wilson Reagan, 1911 to 2004, American politician and actor who served as the 40th president of the U.S. from 1981 to 89. Prior to his presidency, he was the 33rd governor of California, and he had an acclaimed career as a Hollywood actor and a union leader. Here is the quote Herb has selected. The greatest leader is the one that gets the people to do the greatest things. Herb Ankert, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, thank you. I, I almost have to apologize for such a long intro, Herb. I usually get to the guests faster, but there was so much good stuff to talk about. So tell us about how you picked the quote, and then just give us a little background on this phenomenal competition. Is it a competition for Entrepreneur of the Year? How would you describe it? But tell me about the quote first. Sure. Well, let me talk about the quote, um, because it, it really is um, what our Entrepreneur of the Year winners are all about. I think that they inspire people to perform, to step up, and to thrive. And, and they're the ones that actually, if they can motivate you know, their workforces, um, that's really where greatness can be achieved. And I think that many of them that I've met over the years um, have that, that vision, that passion, that purpose to, to inspire others to do great things. And that's really nirvana when you can do that. And I think about one, one particular individual, Nina Vaca, um, with Pinnacle Companies, an IT consulting company. Nina has done this time and time again, really inspiring her workforce and is committed to developing future um, uh, entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, and has done that time and time again. So I really, uh, that quote resonates with me because it speaks to the Entrepreneur of the Year winners that we have. And answer your question about a competition. It is a competition uh, in mm-hmm. the United States. We run it in 25 regional programs. Uh, we have external judging panels um, that actually will evaluate the entrepreneurs, and they compete both regionally and then ultimately they compete on a national level, and um, they go on to our, our national program in uh, November at the Strategic Growth Forum, and they uh, will be announced in 10 industry categories, and then we name one overall national winner, and we're really excited because November is right around the corner. It sure is. Herb, thanks for the information, and I have a question for you. Is this something that entrepreneurs all over the world aspire to? Do some of them actually relocate their companies to the U.S. so they can enter this competition? Do you ever see that, that hubs around the world say, we got to get over to Silicon Valley, we got to get to Chicago, we got to get to New York because we want to be in this? Well, that's the beauty of this. We actually run this program in 60 countries around the world. So they don't have to move to the U.S. (laughs) Mm -hmm. to participate. So the U.S. program is how I described it. But uh, we run this program again. It started here in the U.S. 30 years ago. um, And uh, now we're in 60 countries. And so the U.S. winner in November will go on next June. Uh, Every June in Monaco, we, we run our World Entrepreneur of the Year program. And those 60 winners come and compete, and there's only one World Entrepreneur of the Year. All of them convene in Monaco. They go through a rigorous uh, judging process over three days, and then we name our World Entrepreneur of the Year winner uh, in Monaco each June. Very exciting, and bravo to EY for doing this. Uh, There's nothing like a good competition to get the juices flowing, (laughs) right, Herb? The entrepreneurs love to compete. <laughs> I, I bet they do. And, and it gives them a goal. It gives them a, a, something to aspire about. Nobody wants to be just running something in your garage nobody's ever heard of. Open the doors. Talk about it. Get it going. Share it with the world. Great information. Thank you, Herb. And welcome to Game Changers. This is your first time, and we hope you will come back. And now Thank let you. me introduce our second panelist, also a newcomer. He's Steve Strauss, USA Today small business columnist, and a lot of books to his credit, including the Small Business Bible. Steve has selected a quote from R. Buckminster Fuller. Back in the day, he was known as Bucky Fuller, 1895 to 1983. He was an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, and inventor, somewhat of a Renaissance man. Uh, Bucky Fuller published more than 30 books, coining and popularizing terms such as, everybody will recognize this, I think, spaceship earth, ephemeralization, and synergetic. My goodness. He developed numerous innovations 
foundations, mainly architectural, and popularized the widely known geodesic dome. Those of our young listeners around the world who don't know it, look it up. You'll see an amazing picture somewhere probably on Wikipedia, G-E-O-D-E-S-I-C, geodesic dome. And surprise and shock to me, and I don't know if Steve Strauss knew this, Bucky Fuller was the second world president of Mensa. From 1974 to 1983, rumor has it that I was once and probably I'm a lifelong member of Mensa. So I didn't run into it, but I wish I had. Here's the quote Steve has selected from Mr. Fuller. Now, I'm warning you, this is a long one, but bear with me. Here we go. Something hit me very hard once, thinking about what one little man could do. Think of the Queen Mary. The whole ship goes by and then comes the rudder. And then there's a tiny thing at the edge of the rudder called a trim tab. It's a miniature rudder. Just moving the little trim tab builds a low pressure that pulls the rudder around. Takes almost no effort at all. So I said that the little individual can be a trim tab. Society thinks it's going right by you, that it's left you all together. Ah, but if you're doing dynamic things mentally... The fact is you can just put your foot out like that and the whole big ship of state is going to go. So I said, call me Trim Tab. Steve Strauss, I hope I did justice to the quote. <laughs> That's a, that was a great reading, that quote, Bonnie. And no, I did not know he was a uh, president of Mensa. So you taught me something. I'd, very, very few people can teach me something about Buckminster Fuller, but you did it today. I'm so glad. So talk to me. Big quote. It's it's a fabulous quote. We're talking about the little guy and the trim tab. Has anybody ever called you a trim tab, Steve Strauss, with well, admiration? I would, I would hope so. I'd lo- <laughs> that would be quite the honor. Look, at, I think it's so interesting that, that what is it we think of when we're talking about entrepreneurs? Well, there's all sorts of entrepreneurial traits. One is this willingness to take the initiative. If you're going to go out there, leave your cushy job, leave your benefits, leave your security, and start a business like these Entrepreneur of the Year winners you know, that we see, they're amazing trim tabs because they are willing to take a risk to mm-hmm. take their, their lives, their business, their families, all of us in a new direction. So I think the essence of entrepreneurship is this idea of being a trim tab. It, it sounds to me, Steve, that there's not only it sounds very inspirational, but it sounds very empowering saying to someone, well, let's get rid of the, the idea. A lot of people look for their first investors as uh, at the, the three Fs, you know, family, fools and friends who might be the ones to say, oh, come on, Bob, we're not going to give you 100 bucks for that. You just don't like your job anymore. You're sitting around talking about it's never going to happen. Right. But I think what Fuller's trying to say is. It could. And what Herb Ankert and the EY Entrepreneur of the Year program are trying to say, it might. So I, I sense a lot of good energy here and a lot of optimism that the trim tab can be anywhere, anyone. Do you ever meet people in the course of your work at US to, USA Today as the small business columnist and say to them, you could be a trim tab? Do you ever say that, Steve? Well, you know, yes, I certainly do. You know, the nature of my column, my USA Today column, is a question and answer column. I get questions, you know, every day from readers, from entrepreneurs talking about their business, telling me about their dreams and their ideas. And what I love about entrepreneurs is they are dreamers, but they're not just dreamers, but they're doers. And this idea of being a trim tab mm-hmm. is really especially important for entrepreneurs because typically we think, oh, change is so difficult. Oh, I got to change my business. I got to change my model. But what the Fuller quote teaches us is that it's just the right change in the right spot that can make the big difference. I mean, we've all heard about businesses pivoting. It's this kind of idea. Well, how do you make a pivot? Maybe it's not a giant pivot. Maybe you just do a little trim tab pivot, set yourself in a new direction, and you know what? A couple years, you're going to have a whole new profit center, whatever it's going to be. 
There you go. And, and I have met and I've uh, interviewed, spoken with uh, inventors here on Long Island on my television show, Something to Talk About. And one of them brought many of his inventions. And he coaches and teaches entrepreneurial, get your inventors thinking cap on to people, big seminars all over the place. And there were organizations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he'll take something that's a household item, Steve, just something normal. And he'll say, how can I make this better? And it could be that little tiny dial on the end of something or that little tab or that little lock or that little yes. spring. And they're going into inventorship and entrepreneurship saying, what can we do that little bit of something the previous inventor didn't think of? Anyway, I digress. Steve Strauss, pleasure to have you on. And now thank let's you. talk to Steve. Thank you, Steve Pack, Senior VP Global Strategic Initiatives at SAP. Steve was on Game Changers a couple of years ago. And Steve has selected a quote from the Beatles. Well, well, who doesn't know the Beatles? But I'll tell you anyway. They were an English rock band formed in Liverpool back in the day, 1960. I remember because I was a Beatle maniac when I was in junior high school. We don't even call it junior high school. We call it middle school now. It was John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr, and they were considered the foremost and most influential act of the rock era. Nobody ever called them trim tabs, Steve Peck, but I think they could have been because they just took a sound and went with it and got on the Ed Sullivan Show and the rest of us were just screaming and weeping in the aisles. They had more than more number one albums on the British charts and more sing- singles in the UK than any other act. And according to the RIA, the Beatles are the best-selling music artists in the United States with 178 million certified units, and they were all inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here's the quote, such a beautiful quote. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Oh, Steve Peck, are you a romantic? No. <laughs> well, it can be from time to time, that's for sure. But that, I, there, I actually had a, had a reason for that quote at this time. It's, uh, it's tell, me the, tell me the reason. Welcome it's back, Steve. How have you, per- have you been? I've been doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for asking. I've enjoyed it. In fact, I, I was just thinking with the trim tab thing. I think I've done some trim tab-like things in my life, but nobody ever uh, mistook me for being in Mensa. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't worry about it. Maybe a trim tab, not so much Mensa. Uh, go ahead. But, uh, you know... Uh, it just so happens that October is SAP's month of service, so giving back is, is top of mind. And as we were thinking about this program, you know, one of the elements for those that win, whether it's within a region, nationally, or globally in this EOI, being a purpose-driven organization is very much a part of the overall uh, fabric of the company. It's built in uh, for those winners, so it's, it's a common thread. And EY knows this well. They've done a lot of studies on it that purpose-driven organizations um, outperform their peers by a mile Mm -hmm. in almost every category. It doesn't matter whether you're a large multinational or you're just a startup. So I thought the fact that, uh, you know, it's our month of service now, we really pay attention to uh, how purpose-driven somebody is. And that, that Beatles quote came to mind because it's true. You know, what you give is what you get in life, that's for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, yes, are you a reader of Steve Strauss's column, by the way? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We'll take it. Me too. You've done some very entrepreneurial things yourself, Steve Peck, at SAP. I know you're involved in some sports programs. I think that's was the last time you were on Coffee Break with Game Changers with me a couple of years ago. How's that going? It was. I love it. Well, you know, uh, part of the reason SAP's been around for uh, many, many years, 44 years plus now, is uh, that we really embrace entrepreneurialism. We have to constantly reinvent and invent. And really the trick is finding trim tabs in all levels of the organization, right? And, and 
in that mm-hmm. vernacular to keep on being vital and innovating. And I did have a blast launching sports and entertainment. Um, one of the other things I've done for the last four or five years is I'm the uh, global sponsor of our partnership with EY. So very actively involved with them and their whole Entrepreneur of the Year program, and uh, both nationally and globally. So very exciting. There you go. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm going to circle back to Herb Engert at EY. Herb, and I'm going to ask you a personal question. Where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? We'd like to know a little bit about what keeps you going, what fires you up. You have a big job, obviously. You speak to people all over the world. You're busy. There must be some drink you love that either calms you down or fires you up or both. Talk to me. (laughs) Uh, Many, but uh, I'm actually in New York, New York today. so hello everybody, um, and right now I'm drinking hazelnut coffee, but tonight, uh, Bonnie, I'll be drinking bullet rye, which is my drink of choice since uh, there's a little chill in the air. So it's uh, smooth, but it's got a little spice to keep life interesting, and uh, since my friend Steve Peck's on the line, it accompanies the cigar nicely, so Steve, if you haven't had it, please try it. So. <laughs> We're sharing drink recommendations here. I love it. I love it. We won't talk about the cigars, but the drink sounds great. Okay. Thank you, Herb. I'm in New York, too. I'm waving out the window at you. I'm on Long Island. I think I can see you somewhere in Manhattan. We're not that far apart. So there. Nice nice to, nice to meet you. Steve Strauss, Thanks. where are you today? And what, what are you drinking? Or what are you thinking about drinking later? Well, I am in Portland, Oregon, in the great Northwest, so maybe it is not surprising that I am drinking coffee this morning, right? We're in the land of Starbucks and mm-hmm. baristas uh, up here in the Northwest. And the thing about my coffee that I want to share, Bonnie, is this. You know, I, there's a little restaurant I love to go to in the, in the morning, a little cafe, uh, get a little breakfast. And this morning, I went there, and then I said, I need a cup of coffee to go. And instead of charging me for another cup of coffee to go, they took my coffee cup and just refilled it in a to-go cup. And gave it to me. It didn't charge me anything. And I thought, there's a great business, right? That, that little thing, it's such a customer-centric little thing you can do to make a difference. And it, you know, I just think it exemplifies what, you know, being a great business person, being an entrepreneur is all about, which is thinking about you know, not just how you can make money, but how you can serve. Because the better you serve, the better you're going to do. That's right, and the more memorable. And here you are talking about them. You want to name the coffee shop? Give them a little shout-out? It is called Kenny and Zook's Delicatessen. Uh, Well-known here. <laughs> well, but listen, we have listenership of been over a thousand places around the world. So there, And spell the second one, Kenny and Zook. How do you spell Zook? Uh, Z-U-K-E. I, I never would have now, guessed. If I had my okay. druthers, I would, I would be uh, at Katz's Deli, but you know what? This is a fine second. <laughs> oh, loyalty. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Well, Kenny and Zook, welcome to Game Changers Radio. We're happy that he mentioned you. And Steve Peck, where are you today? And what kind of drink gets you going? Or as I said to Herb, calms you down. Well, I'm going to be in New York next week. But today I happen to be in Montana. I visited my sister uh, over the weekend. And uh, believe it or not, I'm looking out at four inches of snow that hit the ground this morning. No. <laughs> so, first, the first early snow. She goes, it never snows this early. I went, yeah, of course. That's because I'm here. But um, <laughs> because I'm with my sister and she uh, owns a wellness center, I'm drinking some kind of green tea, which is uh, very nice. So detoxing this morning. But in the retox portion of the day, I expect that uh, it will be a Glen Morangi. <laughs> 18. Uh, and, and I love the Glen Morangi tagline. I want to be with you. Fairly well. <laughs> Did you just call retox? Yeah. It's, it's all about balancing, right? So you have to detox exactly. in order to be able to retox. That's and right. It's just a 
circle. It's like deposits and credits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for the balance sheet. We're going to have to have an after after party after this show, I think. <laughs> Way too much fun. We have to do a shout-out, I do, to Lisa Chalmers at SAP, who worked very hard to put together this panel. Lisa, we're already having a wonderful time, and they are smart, and they are savvy, and they are inspiring. And I'm so pleased to be speaking with Herb Angered at EY, Steve Strauss at USA Today, and my friend Steve. You are still my friend, Steve Peck. I'm very, very happy to see you on the panel. They said, Steve Peck's coming on. I said, well, where in the heck has he been all these years? So here you are, and welcome back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and in case anybody's wondering, well, the only thing in my cup, it's a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water, and uh, I am, because you know what? Steve Peck remembers they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days, and you, you know why. But I have, I picked an orange straw today because it is amazingly cold here on Long Island. We had a temperature drop of probably 20 degrees overnight. My garden from seeds was just limping along for months until somebody said, well, damn, girl, didn't you give them miracle Grow?" Well, I started miracle Grow four weeks ago. My two-inch tall petunias are now two feet tall. My two-inch tall marigolds are blooming all over the place. They're a foot and a half tall. And my crop of basil in a flower box is so much I have to go out and clip the leaves every morning and I'm making pesto tonight. So my orange straw is for the glories of a fall garden. And I pray that they survive the possible chill tonight. I don't know how they're going to make it. But anyway, delighted to be here. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Those of you keeping track, we're on show number 252. That's right, since we launched this series on October 5th, 2011, way back in the day. Today, our topic is a very important one, learning from the unicorns. That's right. Those are the new businesses that are up to, what, a billion? Come on, you want to be just like them. And we're specifically talking about lessons learned from the EY Entrepreneur of the Year competition in the U.S. and around the world. So don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, we're going to be back with a lot more. I don't care where you are in the world, what kind of company you work for, what kind of company you started, whether you're a manager, an employee, or somebody with a gleam in your eye who wants to start a business. You're going to learn something from my panelists. So we'll be right back. Jason, out. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag sapradio now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back. Coffee Break with Game Changers, talking about learning from the unicorns, the EY Entrepreneur of the Year, the whole idea of 
What can you think of? What can you dream of? What can you make happen? What kind of a company do you want to have? Who do you want to be? What are the lessons learned from the entrepreneurs who have really hit it big? And how did they do it? And how did EY find them or attract them? Lots to talk about today. We're going to start our roundtable with Herb Engert at EY. Herb sent me the following in his notes. He wants to talk about talent. And he says very wisely, acquiring and retaining talent remains the greatest obstacle still for entrepreneurs to overcome. Some could argue it's even harder with the millennial workforce demanding more from a work environment. Herb, love to have you expand this, please. Absolutely. Thanks so much. So, Bonnie, over the 30 years, we, um, we've learned that, um, you know, acquiring or attracting talent is, is certainly the greatest obstacle, as you said. But we've found that some of the most successful entrepreneurs, and, and many of them who've won our award over the years, really attract the best talent by having a sound purpose to their business. And, you know, many of them have figured it out long ago that to have a purpose and a purpose-driven organization that you can rally your employees and your customers around is really uh, mission critical. So just to talk about a few examples um, of this, the, the Ben and Jerry's franchise. I mean, they figured out early, early on that it was, it was really purpose beyond a profit, that they really knew that the byproduct of a, of a strong sense of purpose and social purpose is that it, they'd be able to attract the greatest talent. Uh, another great example is Starbucks. Um, Howard Schultz, um, they have a wonderful purpose around inspiring and nurturing the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. It's a very customer-centric but also a very employee-centric purpose. And while we, uh, we obviously feel that purpose is good, a shared purpose is even better, Bonnie. If you can really engage your employees and your customers, it's nirvana. And frankly, talent is the number one challenge out there, especially in today's uh, workforce, millennials. And I know we'll talk more about this on today's segment, but, uh, but it is tough. They, they actually value, in the studies that we've done, they value more than compensation itself that they're working for an organization with a strong purpose. So, um, so those are some of my, uh, my thoughts on purpose. Um, and, you know, it's absolutely mission critical. And the ones that, that have won our award over the years and have thrived, uh, we see them actually with a strong sense of purpose and rallying their, their talent and their workforce around it. Thank you very much, Herb. Great, int- great intro to our topic. Steve Strauss, love to get your two cents or whatever you got in your wallet. Talk to me. Yeah, you know, Herb, I totally agree with uh, with what you just said and on two fronts. One is the companies that I see a lot, the ones that are the most successful, uh, have many things in common, have several things in common, uh, but one of them is there is a vision, there is a purpose, there is something bigger than the company going on that engages everyone. And so that then brings me to the second thing that I think is important with what you're talking about or what this topic is about, and that is the importance of your team. Uh, you know, Bonnie, I, I went to UCLA, uh, Go Bruins, and I recently read uh, the autobiography of Bill Walton, probably the greatest college basketball player of all time, one of the top 50 players of all time. And he was talking about when uh, the legendary coach, Bill, um, um, John Wooden, was recruiting mm-hmm. him to the, t- to the team. And you know, everyone was recruiting him across the country. And he said, well, Coach Wooden said something to me that really resonated, and it was this. He said, Billy, you're a great player, and wherever you go, you're going to have a great career. But to have a truly great career, you need to surround yourself with the best teammates. Because it's really the quality of your team that is going to, not just in basketball, but in life, determine 
how successful you are. And so the reason you need to choose UCLA is because we have the best teammates for you. And obviously that's a lesson for any of us who are in the entrepreneurial world. You certainly see this with you know, the different Entrepreneur of the Year winners that I've seen and I have met and that I've spoken with. They all know the importance of team and they gather great teams around them. You know, the best entrepreneurs, of course, what do they do? They surround themselves with people who are smarter than themselves. So the importance of team cannot be underscored enough. Thank you very much. And Steve Peck, love to get you in on this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, purpose-driven organizations uh, outperform their peers in, in virtually every category, and we see that true. In fact, interesting enough, um, uh, EY was just ranked the 40th most purpose-driven organization in the world brand, and I think SAP was 20 on that same list. And uh, it's interesting how that codifies this higher purpose in building the team. So if you have the normal... You know, you know, ideas of leadership and leadership can happen at every level and everybody can be an impact leader or a, uh, a trim tab and you codify that mm-hmm. with a higher purpose, it really makes uh, a, a environment for performance and growth. And interesting enough, on the talent side of it, um, you know, there's a lot of studies that talk about in the, in the growth curve of startups uh, that it's really the startups that are from zero to five years old that create most of the jobs uh, around the world. You know, they're the ones that are creating it. So uh, they have to have the right kind of attraction uh, to get the right talent in those roles in order to, to, uh, to succeed. Thank you very much, Steve Peck. Herb, I'm going to circle back to you and ask if you want to wrap this one up, unless Steve Strauss has something to comment on what Steve Peck said. No, uh, I, yeah. I will just comment that uh, I, I couldn't agree more. It is the importance of team. And time and time again, Bonnie, when the entrepreneurs take the stage to accept our award, the first people they thank is their team. And I, uh, I couldn't agree more with everything that was said. I, I think that, um, and I'll just finish with just something that you just reminded me of is um, one of the unicorn um, entrepreneurs that we work with actually told me one time that A's attract A's and A minus attract B pluses. And you definitely got to hire smarter people than you and absolutely continue to challenge yourself because it's going to be your talent that actually will get you there in the, in the end. So, so anyways, no, agree. Couldn't agree more with everything that was said and, uh, really, uh, still think that this is uh, the most mission critical item that entrepreneurs need to stay focused on. Hey, Herb, this is Steve Strauss. And if I could add one more thing to that, Mm -hmm. um, From a small business perspective, you know, obviously small businesses, the people that I deal with on a daily basis, uh, don't have the resources that enterprise and larger corporations do. So how are you going to keep that talent that you're attracting? Well, one way is what we've been talking about here, and that is by having a vision and a purpose, because that is what engages people. You may, may not be able to pay as much as somebody else. You may not have the, giant, the, the biggest benefits package, but if you can get people inspired by your vision and then enroll them in that vision – that's going to go a long way to, to letting you compete on a more, much more even playing field. Absolutely agree, and I'm glad you brought up John Wooden, uh, Steve, because he, uh, he's one of my favorite, uh, favorite coaches and certainly knew how to inspire the Bruins over the years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, great, uh, team! Great uh, person to bring up on that topic. So. 
I, this is Bonnie. I have a question for the all three panelists. A brief, just brief question, brief answer from each of you, if you don't mind, before we move to a very important topic from Steve Strauss. My question is, this is all sounds great, and you're building a company, and you're hiring people smarter than you, and you've got the purpose driven, and you've got the vision and the gleam of your eye and the energy, and it's rah-rah. But as you grow into that unicorn, doesn't it get harder and harder to keep the purpose-driven philosophy and to keep everything moving at the in the in the way you started the company to keep those mantras real and live and fresh. Herb, what's your observation? I, I agree with you, but I really think that if you uh, if you get the culture right right from the very beginning and you the A's are, you know higher A's, then it will just uh, continue to uh, to to. Uh, to build on itself. And so I, I do believe it, there are challenges as you get larger, but I actually mm-hmm. think that if you start right from day one in the culture and you continue to drive that through your organization, and don't forget the A's, hire A's. And if you continue to do that, you're going to be fine. Thank you. Steve Strauss, any thoughts on that one? Well, th- that idea of culture is the, is actually the key to the whole thing, to, to successful growth. Because what is your culture? Well, it's how you're going to do when you're not around anymore because you're so busy or whatever it is, you as the entrepreneur, as a trim tab, whatever we want to call you, and, and you can't supervise anyone, well, then how is your business going to be run properly? If you do what Herb just said, and that is instill a culture that, that engages people and that shares whatever values you deem important uh, to everybody, then you're going to have a business that's going to survive that, that growth phase uh, easier. I, do I agree it's tough to do? Bonnie, you're, you're spot on mm-hmm. with that for sure. It's, it's tough to do. Uh, but one of the things you can do is instill a culture that shares, that gets people to get your values. Thank you. Steve Peck, thoughts on this? Well, I think first, you know, fundamental to, to that when, you, when you're in business for many years is you have to make sure you have a winning game plan. <laughs> so you've got, you got to win, right, financially and, and otherwise you have to win. But having it at the core uh, truly systemically uh, makes it perpetuate that growth. And, you know, arguably, I joined SAP a little over 14 years ago. We're much more purpose-driven today than we ever were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's part. So I, I don't think you necessarily... Uh, lose it with time. It's just how core is it integrated into the fabric of what you do every day and uh, how does it help you uh, achieve results and win? And whether that's winning the war on talent or you know, winning in uh, your, your market or, or just uh, driving significant growth, uh, if it's integrated in, there's always time for it. You would not just say, oh, we don't have time to do that. It's, if it's integrated in, uh, then you'll grow and you'll thrive. Thank you to all three of you. And I just want to make a note here to our listeners. I did promise we would have lessons learned from these three very smart gentlemen and the observations gleaned from entrepreneurs and entrepreneur of the year. So that's why I asked that question. Great to start out. How do you keep it going? And you answered me. Thank you. Steve Strauss, looking at your notes here, this is a question that comes up all the time. Let me read, talking about when is it a good time to be an entrepreneur? And you say categorically, this is the best time ever to be an entrepreneur. Between all of the tools, all of the help, and a growing global culture of entrepreneurship, now is the best time ever to start and run a business. Tell us more, Steve Strauss. Yeah, and I don't even mean that. It sounds you know, like hyperbole. Oh, this is the greatest <laughs> time ever. And I don't mean it in a hyperbolic way. I mean it in a very sincere, real way. Uh, it used to be that if you were a small business, you were pretty much out, or, or an entrepreneur, uh, uh, you know, trying to get to be a unicorn, whatever your status was. It was not an easy road. 
Uh, and it certainly was a lonely road, and you had to do everything right on your own for the most part. There wasn't a lot of help available. Now, uh, it's totally different. One is entrepreneurship one, right? We had communism and capitalism. Well, you know, as we all know, capitalism one. But beyond that, entrepreneurs one. Entrepreneurship uh, is, has spread across the globe, you know, like, like wildfire. My last book, in fact, was called Planet Entrepreneur, looking at all the different ways entrepreneurs are changing their societies. And they're able to do it because of, in many, in, in many ways, technology. Large companies, whether we're talking about SAP or we're talking about EY or what have you, spend a lot of time thinking about uh, entrepreneurship, thinking about small business, thinking about how to grow a business, and then creating tools and programs and services that help entrepreneurs succeed. Now, that was just not true even 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, my dad was a small business person, and he grew a chain of 10 carpet stores in Los Angeles, but you know, he, he did it mostly on his own. Today, there's not only amazing tools available, there's so much help available. Whether you go online uh, and, and are able to you know, give yourself a personal MBA with what you read and videos you watch and webinars you can listen to, podcasts you can listen to, right, Bonnie? There is mm-hmm. help available. There are tools yep. available. There is money available. So, uh, and the culture is set up that entrepreneurship uh, is, is you know, engendered. So this really is an amazing time to start and run and grow a business, and it's so exciting for us in the in this world to get to be part of it. For me, for sure. Well, you're inspiring, and the enthusiasm is palpable. And let's ask Steve <laughs> Peck what he thinks about all that. I'm serious. I'm very sincere. Steve Peck, what do you think? The tools available, the climate, the mood. Is it really the best time to be an entrepreneur, Steve Peck? Well, let's look back just 16 or 18 years ago to what led up to the uh, the dot com era. Uh, was you know you had a lot of money flowing and you had a lot of good ideas, uh, but just the infrastructure to get set up. You know, if you were a small business that wanted to do online commerce, um, you know, nationally, much less internationally, mm-hmm. you know, there was millions and millions and millions of dollars to set up that kind of infrastructure. And today, you can do it. You know, in no time. Uh, there's so many as a service offerings out there. Uh, you know, you can do. You can just come up with an idea. So I think that the barrier from a infrastructure perspective and a knowledge sharing perspective is um, is so far reduced from anything we've seen in the past. It's phenomenal. So I think any good idea can see the light of day and be up and operating pretty quickly. Uh, you know, to be uh, to last, you still have to have you know a really good team around you. You got to have the right advisors. If you're going to get capital, you try to get smart capital that can benefit you. Uh, those types of things. Um, now, the the downside now is I think it's much more complex to do business these days. Um, you know, the tax laws uh, uh, nationally and by states can be a little burdensome. Uh, the states in the U.S. that that actually create a very startup friendly environment are going to always win over those that don't because it just gets to be a little complex to do business today. So it's, I hope that our legislators on a national and state level uh, continue to create an environment where entrepreneurs don't get crushed under the weight of uh, reporting or high tax burdens or things like that. So uh, to me, that, that's got to be fixed. But everything else about it is absolutely the best time. Exciting. Herb, I'm circling around the table to you. Herb Anker, what do you see as far as is this the best time? Well, I, I definitely would agree, and I, you know, Bonnie, we, uh, we've been excited to, to um, advise, guide, and celebrate entrepreneurs for 30 years, and I want to celebrate them for another 30 years to come. And I, I don't disagree with what Steve and Steve are saying in terms of this being, you know, the golden age of entrepreneurship. I mean, it is front and center, 
um, main stage for everybody. But what does concern me is that right now the, the rate of, of startup formation is actually at historic lows. So I agree with everything that Steve and Steve are saying, but I don't, I'm not sure the millennials are buying into it, and that concerns me. And I think that's what we – Steve started to allude to some of the things that we have to make sure that the next administration and – you know, our, our regulators and, um, and everyone really focuses on us as a whole entrepreneurial ecosystem around, you know, favorable tax policy, regulation, ease of, of doing business and, you know, taking out some of that complexity that Steve talks about. Because I, I really do worry. I, I agree it's a great time. Uh, I think startup costs have never been lower. Uh, you can get a business up and running quite quickly. There's lots of capital sitting out there. But really, Bonnie, the, the major challenge for us is, is actually closing the gap here. How do we actually make sure that that we support the next generation of entrepreneurs? And I think we have such an incredible ecosystem to do so, but I think that that's really going to be the challenge for all of us, and it's got to be a priority. Interesting. I'm just going to toss a word into the mix here, Herb, sure. after what you just said. Uh, on a show a couple weeks ago, I, I was Googling uh, entrepreneurs among millennials, and I found an article on something called millipreneurs, millennialpreneur. I know we're always looking for all these new uh, <laughs> Angapachka words. Somebody on this call probably knows what that word means. Yeah, all these little uh, mix-up words. And they said that they are going for much bigger profits, much bigger success than entrepreneurs from my generation, the baby boomers. Any comments on that, or is this a very small segment of entrepreneurs from your purview at EY? What do you see, Herb? Um, I, I would say that's probably a small subset. I mean, I, um, I actually, you know, we just did a study around millennials, and, you know, really, um, 42% of them are actually saying they don't have the, the means to actually start a business. And while they, they actually um, hold entrepreneurs in high regard, and we've obviously been living in this day and age of, uh, of entrepreneurship, they're really afraid to dare in that um, they really think that money and, um, you know, they're under a lot of college debt. Um, and it's really uh, mm. distracted them from the confidence, I think, that they need to go out and actually do this. So there's some unique aspects to the study that actually cover different diverse populations. But, but I, I would say, Bonnie, to your point, that's probably a small subset. Um, I still think, you know, look, this is not, this is uh, tough sledding, you know, to become an entrepreneur, as we've all talked about. But, um, but what I, I do want to make sure is that we continue to do everything we can as an ecosystem um, to make sure that uh, that we we continue to support entrepreneurs in the future. And as Steve as Steve Strauss said, there's tons of resources, so we just have to rally around uh, the next generation of entrepreneurs. So thank th- you. This is, yeah, yeah. This Go is ahead. Steve Strauss. Let me, Bunny, mm-hmm. um, add. Let me give you a little different uh, perspective on this, and I will give you a cliche alert right now. I have. Two millennials, one living at home. So I, I, I hire millennials. I Bless work you. with millennials. And I love these kids. I, I will say I think they get a bad rap a lot in the culture. Now, I'm not saying here on the show, but in the culture, they get a bad rap. My experience of them is they are hardworking and dedicated and creative and you know, mad skills for sure, all those things. But I am not really sure millennials should be starting businesses, to tell you the truth. I mean, they're, ah. they're pretty young. 
You know, I mean, mine are you know, mid twenties, uh, and I think to start a business, you really need a little seasoning. You need a little experience. You need to get out there in the world and find out what it is you really like to do, what it is that you're passionate about, what is it that interests you, and you know what what market is available to you besides whatever it is you're passionate about, because it can't just be passion that drives you. Uh, and so, you don't get that until I think you're a little bit older. I think I mean, if, yeah, are there Mark Zuckerberg's out there? Yes, but most of us aren't that smart. Most most of us don't have ideas that big. And I think there's something to be said for taking your time, getting some experience, learning how to work, learning what the work world looks like, and then going out and becoming a millennialpreneur. What, what was the term? Millennial. Mil- millipreneur. Millipreneur. Yeah, millipreneur. I Sounds love like millipede for the for the column for sure. <laughs> Sounds like Millipede. Look at I looked yeah. it up and I cannot find the article I originally found, but I did find an article on the surge of women, female entrepreneurs in India, which apparently has always been a mm. hotbed for entrepreneurship among women. So I couldn't find the original article, but if I find it, I will send it to you. Thank you, Steve. Um, Steve Peck, I want, I'm looking at your notes here. Let's talk about the economic growth engine that comes from entrepreneurship. The cascading effect of increased employment, higher earnings contribute to better national income, higher tax revenue, higher government spending, human capital. Let's talk about that a little bit, about the, is it a trickle-down effect? I create a company, I hire good people, A's hire A's, we get motivated, we get customer-centric, we start to spread our products and our solutions out to the world. Jobs are created, as I said in the beginning, millions and millions of jobs. Is is that happening? for only the successful ones or what about the the ones that aren't quite unicorns Steve Peck well you know before you can be a unicorn you got to grow right so uh, yep. the, um, the the truth is is that most of the net new job creation that's occurring uh, certainly in the US and, and mostly abroad her might be able to talk about that a little bit more is uh, is by companies that are you know zero to five or zero to six years old so the, the startups are the ones that are creating the net new job creation. And in the case of the EY entrepreneurs and the ones that go on to be unicorns and, and national and global winners, you know, they're competing with, uh, in, in the U.S.'s case, just thousands of companies. Each are strong in their own right to be recognized. And, uh, you know, they always have tremendous, um, tremendous business plans, tremendous growth, tremendous purpose-driven mm-hmm. uh, things to, in order to win. I would not want to be a judge at these competitions because one company's as good as the next, uh, especially when you get to the, to the um, global level. So that's where the growth in the jobs come. So I think that um, big globals have grown uh, and uh, are using innovations to continue to grow without necessarily net new job creation. And in many cases... Um, it's the uh, it's the startups that are creating the jobs, and that's where the economic growth engine comes from. So that was really the point there. Thank you. Good, good, actual, good, good point. Herb Ankert, what do you think? Do you see this in your your unicorns and your companies that are on their way to being unicorns? What do you see about job job creation? Yeah, I absolutely agree with what Steve's saying. I mean, these uh, entrepreneurs are the engines of uh, of jobs. They actually create jobs at three times the rate, the national rate uh, we've found over the years. And um, and frankly, you know, um, they are the ones, the zero to five. That's why I that's why I worry about our rate of new. Um, new startup formation. And I don't disagree with Steve's earlier comment. Steve Strauss said is around, you know, maybe millennials 
um, we shouldn't focus on millennials, but it's really just startup formation. And so that is absolutely true that the rate of startups is down. What we really have to do, regardless of who is founding these businesses, get them going. Because as Steve said, zero to five years, they're the ones that are creating jobs. And actually, the ones that go public is really where hyper job growth comes in. So a company gets formed. Um, you know, may go through a few series of financings, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about financing. Um, and then, you know, they may go public. And it's at that point in time, that inflection point where they actually go public, they get a big slug of capital, that, that massive uh, job growth and hyper job growth actually kicks in. But, but I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and we tout that statistic three times the national average all the time, Bonnie. And it's, it's absolutely important. And that's why, um, getting the rate of startup formation back on track is really a critical, mission-critical item. Well, mission-critical right now, Mr. Strauss, is that we're almost out of time. So if you want to talk about financing, I turn it over to you. Talk to me fast. You know what? There is uh, not very many good things that can be said about what I call the not-so-great recession. But mm-hmm. one of them is all sorts of new ways to fund your business did come out of that, whether we're talking about crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo, things like that. Uh, of course, we've all had... Peer-to-peer lending, Um, there was a lot more microfinance. So the thing is, if you want to start a business, run it and grow it and expand it these days, Uh, one of the other reasons that it's a great time to be in business is there's a lot more financing and uh, funding options available to you as an entrepreneur. Thank you very much. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Go ahead. I would love to chime in. I, I agree with what Steve's saying. I, I just uh, would, the advice I'd give to people is as you're taking financing and looking for strategic, uh, strategic funding sources, you really do have to focus on who the partner is, who you are getting in bed mm-hmm. with. Um, really, can they be um, somebody that can be accretive to your business, can help you expand uh, your network, expand in different geographies? I'm sure Steve and Steve would both agree with that. But that's always what I tell people. You know, don't take money if you don't need it. And if you do take it, definitely take it from a strategic. It shouldn't just be about the dollar. It's got to be about the advice that comes with it. Yeah, no question. Thank you very thank you very much. Anybody have one more thing to say about funding? Because we've got to go into our predictions real fast. Anything else on funding? I'll do a tangential one on that, Bonnie, that we didn't yeah, go mention. Ahead. That with startups, um, the ability to embrace diversity, women-owned businesses, different cultures, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, it's, I, you know, this time I've never seen anything like it. And so uh, just adding to that golden age comment, it's been phenomenal to see the diversity in ages, in ethnicity, in background, in genders, in religions, everything across the board that are, uh, that are, um, uh, contributing to great, very successful startups. And I think that that's causing uh, other parts of uh, business to embrace that, too. And SAP is very embraceive of that and a leader in that, too, as I know EY is. So it, yep. that, to me, is very, very exciting. Uh, and any time I go to one of these events at the EOY events, the diversity is just stunning. You know, Steve, that's a great comment. I'm so glad you brought that up because it really is amazing. And and the one real bright spot out of the study we just did is that really minority and women entrepreneurs are starting business at faster clips than ever. And that's really exciting for us. And we're doing everything we possibly can with SAP and our partners to actually support women and minority entrepreneurs. So thank you for bringing that that critical point up. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. 
Absolutely, and I have to tell all of you that we just recently restarted a, a series. So we have 23 different Game Changers series, and we just regenerated one called Startup Focus with Game Changers. They were on with me about three years ago, 2013, 2014, and uh, Steve Peck, you probably know Manju, Manju Bonzal at SAP. Yeah. He decided to come back, so this week, uh, tomorrow, will be in our fourth week of a 10-episode, 10 10-week 10 series on Startup Focus, talking to the entrepreneurs, the ones who are in the trenches, the ones who are making inroads in their fields. Most Mostly tech entrepreneurs, but certainly a breadth of, of people and ideas. So we're, we're definitely talking about that. Uh, I want to move to predictions, but you know what, Steve Strauss, you, you tickled my fancy here. You say by having a, beyond having a great team, you have to have an X factor. And you said you had a little story about a cantina <laughs> in Mexico. Can you give me a one minute, one minute, uh, little parable here or a little anecdote about that before well, I, I I'll, I'll, we'll take the predictions and make them shorter, but go ahead. Well, Steve? Why are all my examples about food? That is a bad song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but okay. <laughs> so, all right. I'll give you another example of, of what well, business that gets it and does it right. So, I was down in Mexico recently with my wife. We went to this uh, little uh, getaway at a little seaside, you know, resort area. And um, every morning, I found myself in the little town at the same little cantina having breakfast. Now, there was a couple reasons for that. Yeah, they had wonderful huevos rancheros, and that was that was great. Uh, but it turns out they were the only place in town that had Wi-Fi, right? I mean, there's a couple ah. others here and there. But in, in this little sleepy little village, they had Wi-Fi. Not only did they have Wi-Fi, but all around town, they had posters saying, free Wi-Fi. Right? So all, you know, all the locals were there, all the expats were there. It was full every day, uh, and, the, and everyone was on their phone you know, do, doing their business. So it, it is an example of somebody who realize that they have to do something unique and different and special to stand out, right? And what did they do? They, they set up a Wi-Fi and then let everyone know that they had Wi-Fi. Well, any smart entrepreneur, uh, we see that with the Entrepreneur of the Year winners for sure, but any smart small business, you know, has to have some kind of X factor. Something they do is, that is unique and different and special and then let people know what it is so that people remember you because there are 30 million businesses in this country, 99% are small business, so you've got to stand out somehow. Absolutely. And imagine my, my surprise when I was on, on the beach, on Jones Beach, walking on the sand for the first time in five years, about three months ago. And there's a big sign on the beach that says, we have Wi-Fi. There, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, took, I took pictures of the sunset. I took my first panoramics and I posted them on Facebook right there from the beach. And I said, dang, this is interesting. Anyway, we're going to do our quick closing with predictions. What will change, let's say, by the year 2020 in the world of entrepreneurs? Herb, Angered, I can give you 30 seconds. So go uh, ahead. All right, we're going to close the gap is what I'm going to predict, and we're going to get back on to uh, the track of growth here, and we're going to see a lot more purpose-driven organizations really rallying around their talent and their customers, and that customer centricity is going to uh, drive us uh, for the next 30 years, and I, uh, I feel great about the, uh, I think the future is very bright. So there you Wonderful, go. I like that. I like that optimism. Steve Strauss, 30 seconds, USA Today, go. Uh, I think that, that where we're headed is that everyone uh, will not necessarily become an entrepreneur, but is beginning to realize that they need to think like an entrepreneur and model entrepreneurship. And what does that mean? Well, that means whether you are an entrepreneur or you're a manager or you're a business person, you have to take the initiative, you have to think about your personal brand, and you have to innovate. And those are things entrepreneurs do, and those are things actually any of us in our career and our business need to emulate if we're going to continue to be successful. And that's where people are going. That's where I see business going these days. Thank you. Steve Peck, 30 seconds predictions. Go. 
Well, I think you're going to see machine learning uh, really impact uh, people's everyday lives and the way businesses operate. So, you know, machine learning is all about um, computers and and devices being able to learn without being explicitly programmed. So when it comes to precision medicine or how we travel and transport or how supply chains are run, uh, we're going to see computing go to a completely different level than we've been before exponentially. And these machines are going to get really smart and help uh, entrepreneurs and and large companies alike uh, deliver on their mission a lot better. Thank you. And the $8,000 refrigerator is coming to a kitchen, not near me, but maybe near you. Everybody, thank you so much. Herb, I read about it. Herb, we can dream. Nah, not for me. Herb Ankert, EY, thank you so much. Steve Strauss, USA Today. Such a pleasure to get thank to know you, both Bonnie. of you. Steve, oh, my pleasure. Steve Peck, delighted to have you back. I'm going to predict you, that I'm going to get the three of you back on Coffee Break in January or February to continue this and do a deeper dive on more aspects of entrepreneurs. And I'm going to predict that you're going to say yes to my invitation so that Shout out to Lisa Chalmers. Lisa, you did good, girl. This was a fantastic panel. And Jason and the Business Channel team, thank you for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Oh, you know what it is already. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.